Welcome to an Inner Lives Matter a Minute. My name is Ernie Vecchio, a trauma psychologist and teacher that is hiking and biking West Virginia to start a conversation, reminding everyone that somewhere between the country roads that take us home and the almost heaven of our mountains is an inward journey, the road less traveled. people a lot of times uh, if they had to point on their body where the human compass is, a very high percentage of people tend to point to their heads. So it tells you that the culture is kind of conditioned to think that, that the brain is where the human compass is. And of course, it's never been there. The heart sends like a thousand signals to the brain for every one signal the brain sends to it. And we're finding brain cells in the heart, brain cells in the stomach. And so the point is, is that the body has its own intelligence. You know, I'm not the first person to say that, but it, but it tends to be kind of out of our awareness in the culture. The, the part I, I tend to find ironic about that is, is that the people that even point to their heart as the compass don't do it for themselves. They're giving compassion uh, to their families, to their spouses, to their partners, to their children, to their friends, but they're not giving it to themselves. Yeah, oddly enough, and, and I'm not sure why this is, but mystery really stands out to me in connection to the inner life because I always go by personal experience. That is <laughs> what I can totally trust. To me, the inner life is mystery, mm-hmm. and the ego is something definite. It falls into morality and right and wrong, where the inner life, to me, is all about mystery because it's not definite. Yeah. And the the reason that it is mysterious is is that we're not taking time to know our inner world. Right. And we know the ego uh, in the culture has been put in place as the default compass because it adapts to the outside world. I mean, if it has any compass capability, it's capacity to adapt. That's how it got that default position. And so you're correct to say that part of the mystery of the inner world is, is that it's, uh, people are not taking the time to know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I use the example all the time that if you solve a puzzle and you dump all the pieces on the table, then what you tend to do is you kind of do the edge pieces first. The reason that you do that is because you're trying to get some kind of context for what it is that you're making in that puzzle. But what you lack, uh, unless you are aware of it, is the picture on the box. And so the picture mm-hmm. on the box really is the inner scape or the inner dimension mm-hmm. that we're talking about here. And the inner dimension, mm-hmm. of course, that we're referring to is the soul, the spirit, the ego, and the heart as organs of perception. And then the inner dialogue, which is counselor, critic, mediator, and bully. These are the Mm -hmm. inner voices that are kind of under the control of the ego, so to speak. And so making a distinction between the voices, for example, would be one half of the solving of the mystery, that the soul and the spirit are abstract for most people, and the ego and um, emotions are not abstract. People tend to know that they have a personality and that they know that they have traits and that tend to dictate their behavior, but what they don't take time to sort out is is that the feeling self, which is the spiritual self, 
is different than the emotional self because mm -hmm. the spiritual self is tied to being cut away from the source in the very beginning of your experience and then and then having to take on the psychology of the culture that you're born into which ends up dividing you in some way and that division is the ego and so those are the bumps and the bruises so yeah so that one of the things that I'm doing all the time is saying that these pieces can be known they're not mysterious what the soul does is to bring into our awareness what it is we need to see but the ego doesn't want to see it the heart does but the ego doesn't so when you say that the inner life can be known is really standing out to me and touching something within me that is giving me kind of a different perspective because I have spent a lot of time in my life um, exploring my, my inner world. Even being a person that has done that, I don't know that I would say I can know my inner world. It is more of a sensing and a feeling than a definite knowing. Yeah. And I think that's what's kind of standing out to me where the inner world is more open without definite and maybe a little bit without knowing, but a sensing and a, a feeling. What you're saying is valid. You're saying that, that your inner world can be sensed. It can be realized through your feelings, through your senses. Yeah. And that's another way of saying it, and that's exactly true. But what I'm kind of offering in the teachings that I'm bringing to people is, is that we tend to be the kind of animals that really we don't believe anything unless we can see it. Yeah. And, and, and of course, that's the ego. The ego needs to see to believe. Mm -hmm. um, so what I've done with trauma is how can you make the inner world something that can be seen? And, of course, the answer is it's symbology, it's metaphor, it's analogy, mm -hmm. it's, it's those kinds of terms. But those are dimensional terms. It takes it from the abstract and makes it kind of solid, you know, that you can physically see it. So that's what I mean when I say it can be known. But what you said is valid as well, that if you don't have the capacity to actually see it, if you don't have the training, if you haven't done the work, so to speak, if you don't get up every day and give station to your inner life, then all you're left with is your senses and all you're left mm -hmm. with is your feelings. That's perfectly fine for people that can make a distinction between what they're feeling and what they're emoting. What makes it possible to sit with your adversity and your pain? A couple of things immediately come to me. I'm being present, yeah. I'm being aware, and allowing that feeling place, allowing of the heart. To suffer with oneself means to have the capacity to sit objectively as you look at your subjective life. Mm. And that objectivity is only possible if you can be compassionate during the sitting. In other words, if you're mm. not being kind and gentle, forgiving, accepting, allowing of those feelings, then you're going to attack. You're going to self-judge. You're going to self-analyze. And this is where the ego gets in the way, you see. Yeah, yeah. And really, it is a, um, a beautiful experience because when we're just speaking, I was thinking of the melting of the ego. That's what's happening when you're sitting with compassion.
Thank you for listening to an Inner Lives Matter Minute. Again, my name is Ernie Vecchio, a trauma psychologist and teacher hiking and biking West Virginia to start a conversation about the wisdom that comes from adversity. It turns out that the Take Me Home Country Roads, an almost heaven dichotomy of our state, offers a unique opportunity to bring awareness to a less traveled road, the inward journey, one that I have taken with thousands of individuals undergoing trauma. You can follow my journey at both ErnieVecchio.com and InnerLivesMatter.com. Hope to see you on the trail.